Hi, everybody. It's Joey Remini from seekingbalance.com.au. I'm here today to share another case study recording. I want to introduce you to Katie from the US. Welcome to the call and thank you for your time today. Thanks, Joey. Happy to be here. Yeah, we're just talking before the call about celebrating this step of being on the other side of beginning the program and really arriving at a place of declaring, I'm ready to share my story. I wouldn't say it's an end point or a final destination, but it's it's a reclaiming of our life. Katie, briefly, where did you start? If you had any diagnoses you want to share, what were they? Sure. And what did the Rocksteady program mean for your healing process? Sure. I started, um, the journey for me started September 17th, um, about, I think it was three years ago now. Mm. Um I sort of had what might have been a panic attack following my um, toddler's birthday party. I was really scared of the triple E virus. Mm -hmm. um, I had a toddler at the time and a baby. Mm -hmm. And suddenly the world started to spin, uh, mm -hmm. you know, through seeing so many practitioners, the whole journey, every test you can imagine, diagnosed with triple PD and vestibular migraine. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel that I am in recovery and, and such a good place. And I'm just so happy to be on this call because these calls um were paramount to my own healing journey yes. so I'm happy to share this experience with people do you want to speak a little bit about the container of the Rocksteady program so you enrolled in the full online program and membership with access to the six modules the bonus audios the pep talks the um the dozens of call replays I think we have over mm -hmm. 50 now I've stopped counting how did you tiptoe into the program? How did you use it? And obviously, how did your relationship to the program change as you got to know yourself through the program? Yeah, I think um, I think the goal of the program is to not have to use it, but want to use it, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. for me, um, when I came across the program, you know, again, I visited every specialist you could think of. I did acupuncture and met, tried to meditate on my own, which was very challenging. Um, as the world was sort of spinning and I was disconnected from it. Yeah. Um, and I think for me, what was so great about the rock steady program was that I could do it at my own pace. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot that you can read and you can go online, but visually I was having difficulty. Mm -hmm. um, reading was not something that was appealing to me at the time. Watching videos could happen. Sometimes it couldn't. So there were all these options with the program I could read. I could watch a video or I could just listen, mm. um, which was, I think, a great um, process for me to be able to have any of those options any given day based on how I was feeling. Yeah. And as you were returning back to your body, you mentioned being disconnected, which I mm. think is where we start with these symptoms. It's like something's not right. I don't want to mm -hmm. feel this. I don't feel safe. So really, understandably, we leave the body. We dissociate or freeze or distract, deny, push aside until yeah. we realize that's really not serving us anymore. And we have to journey back in and sort of going, okay, body, what's, mm -hmm. how can I support you? Can you share a little bit about what tools or how you navigated coming back to the body and potentially any of the ways you dipped in and out of the Rocksteady program, including those moments of, hmm, that does not feel right for me right now or today. I'm going to try this instead. And having that toolkit and variety do you want to share with the listeners a little bit perhaps about that troubleshooting process and reconnecting yeah. journey? Sure. Um, so I think of all the many symptoms that I had, um, 
the worst was the disassociation, especially being the mom of two young girls. Mm -hmm. Because I remember explaining to one of the doctors, like my baby is sitting in front of me and I feel no connection to her. And it wasn't postpartum. Mm -hmm. I loved her. Like I, mm -hmm. I just couldn't, it was like, she was there and there was a lag of time between me and her. Mm -hmm. um, and I think part of that is the fear that the dizziness caused. So as you know, it's just so many things pile up, pile up. And you start paying more attention to yourself than you maybe ever did before, but not in a good way. Mm. So you're like, what was that thing? Or am, am I seeing straight or am I not? And it's just so much hyper awareness, but not even in the moment. Mm. Um, so for me, the first thing with Rocksteady was um, the body scan. So mm. just like being able to, again, I have difficulty quieting my mind. I'm a classic type A personality, constantly going. Um, and meditation is tough for me, but I found that the body scan was like a meditation, but that guided me. So I didn't really have to do the work and I could just be present in my body, like starting with my toes. Um, I remember times with the body scan, like feeling like I was wobbling and then just sitting in it. And I could actually feel myself like fight through the, the wobble and like steady myself. Uh, and that was the, for me, the first sign of hope, like, okay, something's happening with my brain. I can't, it's, it's not the easiest thing. I'm not just going to snap my fingers and tomorrow I'm going to be fine. But it's, mm -hmm. it showed me that, okay, like, I think I can do this. It's going to be a journey, mm -hmm. which was also a lot of your messaging and listening to the calls that you have. Mm -hmm. Um, I would go to sleep. I'm, I'm the type of person I sleep anyway with like a podcast playing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll, it'll take me a month to get through a podcast. because I'll listen to three minutes and fall asleep, <laughs> continue on. Um, but just even like going to sleep for me was respite from the issues, mm -hmm. but I was scared for the morning. Like what was tomorrow going to be? Mm -hmm. So to go to sleep, I'd have um, usually the listener calls would be what I'd be listening to. Mm -hmm. And just hearing people saying, that they got past this. I think that hope is so profound. It's, it's immeasurable because you don't feel like you're going to get past it when you're in it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, cu I'm curious. There's a word you use and I understand what you're saying. So when we feel the not quite right sensations or hear them for that matter, part of what we're learning to do with the neuroplasticity process is hold a wider spectrum of feelings. So we could have the not quite right feelings uh, to some degree, but also open up to an, and expand mm -hmm. ourselves to feel something else, which is probably going to be more anchoring or more of a desired mm -hmm. sensation or neutral sensation where we can feel safe. And yeah. I think what you're saying is always oh, begun to realize I could have both the dizzy, tilting, wobbling sensations, but I could also anchor myself and steady and center myself. The word you used was fight. Mm -hmm. I'm curious now you're on and, and I think that's often where we start it's like come yeah. on I'm gonna master this I'm gonna push through yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna be an a plus student and that's often first time round of the modules there's a bit of push which is really yeah. somewhat unhelpful for um, our overall long-term journey but a very welcome energy mm -hmm. um, I think as a learning process now that you're on the other side of it what word would you use to replace fight Oh, um, I would say, um, adapt, right. Um, yeah. Agency. Um, yeah. Just move forward. Like, um, I really like believe in the power of neuroplasticity so strongly mm. for so many things, um, based on like experiencing it myself. Yeah. Um, you bring up a great point. When I started the program, you get access and you're like, Oh, I want to go through everything really fast. And like, <laughs> yes, the solution has arrived. And then you're like, you see little glimmers of, of progress and 
then you, and listening to you, it's like, settle down, give yourself time, give yourself grace, which was something I didn't do generally. Um, I'm the CEO of a nonprofit. I'm the mother of two young children. I'm, I'm going right. And that's just my personality. Um, and this was a wake up call for me that I wasn't listening to myself and I wasn't, um, taking time for anything. And, and quite frankly, now that I'm on the other side of things, um, it's been a blessing, which I never thought I would say. Yeah. Sometimes at work, people are like, how are you so calm about that thing? And I, I can't not be yeah. because I do actually listen to my body now. So yeah. when my heart starts to race, because I get an email, like that's a sign, like, why did an email make my heart race? <laughs> that should never happen. There's no lion chasing me. And I take a minute where I used to just power through it through. and not, not listen to myself. So yeah. we take for granted, I think, um, that we don't have to be listening and then suddenly your body says, wait a minute, like, better start listening. It's my turn. It's my turn. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we've been, we've been cooking for kids and running them around and breastfeeding them and birthing them and taking care of partners and families and parents and coworkers, et cetera. And the body's like, okay, my turn. I'm yeah. Yeah. That um, is exactly what happened. Yeah. And I think the fight, the push, the desire to get better now, yesterday, come on, I'm over it. Super normal. We can all validate mm -hmm. that. And, and I think that's a, that's a somewhat helpful energy to start with. And then as we're ready and as we learn and as all the building blocks of neuroplasticity and how to implement it, I think as they slowly start to find a place, mm -hmm. um, it's probably more, more natural and we're more willing to slow down and pause. Whereas initially, like you said, meditation is hard and it mm -hmm. doesn't make sense and it doesn't fit in and we can just end up re-traumatizing ourselves yeah. and feeling like a failure again. Oh, I've tried yoga. Oh, I've tried psychology. Mm -hmm. Oh, I've tried meditation. Oh, I've tried every therapy under the sun and I still feel this way. Mm -hmm. It's because I think there is a neural integration, a process, which is why the Rocksteady program takes time, which is why you own it for life, which is why I invite people to go through module one through six again and again and again. Every time we go through it, we can ask the same question, but arrive at completely different insights yeah. and a different sensory experience because we're changing, evolving and building a new version of ourselves mm -hmm. as we go through the process. So the Katie yeah. who did module one the first time is going to be very different to the Katie who revisits module one a month or three later. Yeah. And using it for different things like module one um, in the beginning was to get me through this um, disconnect and dizziness. And if I use it at this juncture, it might be to get me through just like a stressful day, right? Yeah. Because it can be the same thing because one can trigger the other. Mm. Um, so again, just centering and reconnecting with myself. And listening to the whispers of the body rather than the screams and the plea of yeah. the body. Because if we get in early and listen to mm, something's not quite right, it's, it's yeah, it can be a almost mild nothing. But yeah. if we listen to that and sort of plan ahead and carve out time for ourselves or seek the support and nourishment we need, arguably the body doesn't then need to catastrophize it and dramatize it and really scream at us because it's feeling that the needs are being unmet. Mm -hmm. I think what was interesting, yes. also, I'm sorry, um, what was interesting also is I saw so many specialists mm. um, and I think you talk a lot about like, okay, now you've discovered it's not something sinister, like I don't have a brain tumor. So the crazy thing about this thing is that when you don't get the brain tumor diagnosis, it's almost disappointing. Oh, like, yeah. Super common. Because you want it, you just want an answer. Yeah. Like, I don't want a brain tumor at all, but I wanted an answer. 
Um, and so with the program, I loved that you take everybody through like, let's check if it's BPPV, let's check if like there are things to test, which your specialist will also do. So it's not discounting that it could be something, you know, physiologic, uh, like something physical, um, but it's also exploring those things and then then moving on. Like, okay, so you check that. If it's not that, let's go to the next thing. But that doesn't mean there's no answer for you. It's devastating. It means let's just go to the next step. Well, the mental, emotional, spiritual aspects, so the thoughts we're holding, the emotions that are elicited through our relationship to symptoms. For example, I could hear tinnitus or feel a dizzy sensation and freak out. It elicits fear, anxiety, depression, Mm -hmm. um, isolation, withdrawal. That can have massive impacts on our relationship, on our employment, on our connection to our loved ones, as you mentioned with your baby. Mm-hmm. You know, and I really feel you there when we don't feel comfortable and safe in our body and we sort of leave it and we freeze and become immobile or dissociate as a coping mechanism that's healthy and normal. And I validate mm-hmm. that because it's that it's common because it's useful. Yeah. Um, if we don't have the tools to reconnect in and reprocess that difficulty or that little trauma, then it deeply impacts the rest of our life. And yep. so having the skills and tools and the process to have compassion for ourselves in the re-traumatization or in the shame or in the feeling inadequate or feelings of failure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not an overnight fix, but it's that mental, emotional, spiritual, invisible stuff going on where there's thoughts and persistent doubts, big, yeah. difficult feelings, belief systems, which is what I would call the spiritual piece am I actually ready to believe and trust in my body or am I still Mm -hmm. going out into the goose chase and saying you fix me buy this do that Mm -hmm. I need all these footholds and crutches because I'm just not willing to go there yet that's actually perfectly fine and some people will spend eight years looking for the external temporary support whether it be medications or devices until they get to that place of saying okay now I'm ready for rock steady Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that they're temporary supports for a reason because we need them yeah. sometimes yeah. To, to get that's a spiritual piece. That's why if we get fixated on the physical diagnostic physiological traumas, like I have a splinter in my toe, let's remove the splinter. When we get stuck on that linear approach, it can mean we're not inviting ourselves to investigate the inner world, the mental landscape, the yeah. emotional neglect or abandonment that we can then nurture and nourish and hold. And of course, that spiritual piece of starting to question, are my beliefs serving me? And am I ready to mature into this new version of myself where I view myself differently and I treat myself differently? Tell us a little bit perhaps about that mental, emotional, spiritual investigation and self-study is exactly that. Yeah. Self-study. Any little aha moments or pieces you want to share there? Yeah. So, you know, in the beginning I was journaling every, um, every, yeah, I started to get floaters, Flo- oh, floaters. I went to the, oh. you know, I, yeah, everything, everything. Like, like, like I looked left and it felt wobbly. I mean, a symptom yeah, diary. Single, <laughs> yes. Yes. And then when I, um, no, act- symptom diaries are not recommended on the Rocksteady journey. Yeah. No. And that's where, so before, and that's what I was going to say. So then I found the program and it was like, so if you're doing that, you are focused on that. And that was like, it seems so simple, but it's an aha. Yeah, It's like, yeah, why am I focusing on that instead of I don't have a floater or what am I going to do and, you know, plan a vacation like I used to do before all of this hit. Mm. And I think um, one of, you know, I started the program and I had seen um, on the Facebook group and different things, um, 
people who traveled and I had this fear, like nothing even had happened to me traveling, but I had started to read the um, Facebook posts in different groups that was like devastating. I can't fly anymore. And you start to believe that mm. um, because it, that's what's happening to other people. And like there, mm. and those, those group chats, I understand the value in them because you want a community, but turning to rock steady and the program doesn't really let you go there. Right. So it's instead, it's like, don't look at that stuff. Like, yeah, it's there. So like, move on. <laughs> Sounds simple. Like appreciate it, acknowledge it. It's there. And so what else is new? Um, so I was living in a lot of that at first and then found this and was like, okay, I'm going to look on the other side of things, the anchored side. Mm. Um, and I planned a trip with my husband um, to Bermuda and in Bermuda, I had no symptoms. Right. And it's not like it wasn't the Bermuda triangle <laughs> that did it to me. It, it wasn't something I ate or drank. Um, it was just that I was not focused on my symptoms. Mm -hmm. Like I was, uh, you know, having, I had spiritually having children, they're the loves of my life. They take a lot of energy. Like they need me. Mm -hmm. They, when they're present for me, it's about them more than me. And this gave me an opportunity to step away. I'm lucky that I was able to, mm -hmm. and just like see the good again. And, and the program really taught me about that. Like, stop, stop focusing in on that. And I love the not quite right. Cause it's not like, it, it makes it less devastating. Like it's yes. just not quite right. Like, okay. I can handle so with, that. Yeah, exactly. Versus like, you're disabled, you're going to go on disability. Um, which I mean, that fear is all there. Yeah. Um, another interesting thing that happened with me is I didn't drive initially for two months. And again, I, I run a company, um, and my coworker would like drive me in and this was pre pandemic. Um, and then one day I was like, I have to drive, like, this is crazy. So um, I had listened to the rock steady and just about the brain. And so I blasted music in the car, like music that I really loved. And it took me away from like worried if I was going to wobble while I was driving and I was able to drive. So again, it was proof of just like that basic distraction. Um, I want to shift it. Cause I think it's more sophisticated than that. Mm. And distraction doesn't make us heal. Yeah. So I think what happened was a, you didn't have to drive. You wanted to drive. The reality mm -hmm. is, is you could have got a taxi cab or lift every day of your life for the rest of your life. It wasn't yeah. a necess necessity. You wanted to drive. So you were driven yeah. by desire. A. B, mm -hmm. when you sit in the car and you blast music you love that rises your energy to a place that feels powerful, that's what mm -hmm. I'm sensing. You put your hands on the wheels and you get a sense of, I can do this. Yeah. And, and. I don't, I mean, there could be an element of distraction, but I think it's much more powerful than that. I think it's more, if we think about the seesaw analogy, rather than symptoms having the volume scale up, you put the yeah. volume up on that feeling of power and capacity. So it was sort of mm -hmm. drowning out neurologically the symptomatology focus or worry. Yes. And yeah. I think once we arrive at, um, at this place of feeling healed and feeling resourced and we have the skills and tools to really navigate challenges, this is what it's about. It's about saying, well, what do I want and desire? How can I anchor into that yeah. pathway of love rather than avo fear, avoidance of fear? Mm -hmm. So I want this, yeah. I desire this. Then it's like, okay, what skills and tools do I have at my disposal to fire those neurons to get the flow going? And then how yeah. can I label it? How can I intensify it? How can I help that neural circuitry grow? Mm -hmm. And so you just gave a really actually lovely example of the beginnings of that process. Mm -hmm. And part of that being just sitting in the car going, okay, 
I'm sensing and feeling this is working. Like that was a bit yeah. of an experiment and that, whew, that, that I did it. Yeah, exactly. Those little moments are also part of building the new neural pathways. We've got to be curious. Yeah. We've got to try. And then as we edge in that direction, I think we have to honor and acknowledge I'm doing it. I'm changing my brain. Mm-hmm. That wasn't really yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think, um, you know, through the program, the brain is defined, the neural pathways. For me, um, I'm a visual learner. So like, I would even look at just pictures of the brain or like I did on Instagram, hashtag neuroplasticity. So you can see like little neurons firing. And then I could uh, like really see what was going to happen and understand that's not going to happen with a shot or with a pill. Like that's the moments like in the car. Mm-hmm. Um, more profound than that. And and I love that you're saying it's the, it was the desire because you're correct. I could obviously get an Uber or work from home forever, you know, make changes. I wanted to spin with my kids. Like I wanted to spin in a circle mm-hmm. and I do, I've been on like mm-hmm. rides, like spinny rides, you know, the amusement park um, mm-hmm. since. And it's the same thing. Like I didn't have to, like my younger brother could go do that. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to. And the joy of knowing that even if I got dizzy, like, it's just, I just wouldn't feel right. And the next day is a new day. And, you know, just not being like devastated Mm. whenever I felt a tiny something that wasn't right. Or avoidant. Because the other thing is if we, Mm -hmm. if we look at some of the module three exercises of actively choosing to spin and actively choosing to stimulate some not quite right sensations, Yeah. To, pr- to to build that muscle that, hey, I can be off center and refined center. I can re-navigate my center. I can steady myself. Mm-hmm. I can be centered on call no matter where I am anywhere in the world. I yeah. could be in the middle of an airplane, feel symptomatic and recenter myself. Having yeah. that kind of almost volume switch at our disposal is empowering. Yeah. But it takes meeting. It's like kind of staring the beast in the eyes. We, we have to have that courage and readiness and bravery to know, you know what, I can do this gently. I can support myself as I do this. And there's always the opt out. If it feels too much in any one moment, I can Mm -hmm. sort of go, "Hmm, not right now. I might, I might try this tomorrow or later. So that gentle challenging, I think is a, an art and a skill. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I think that, you know, that was the biggest change for me as a person. Mm. Like I kind of said before, um, like knowing that if I wanted to just have a day that I just like chilled out on the couch I had every right to um and it was my body saying like that's what you're gonna do today and not feel bad about it Mm -hmm. um and that was that was a big learning thing for me yeah I I totally am resonant with that and I feel like again bringing in this language and embodied understanding of nurture and nourishment Mm -hmm. it's not that I'm on the couch because I can't actually I could push through the truth is I could push through yeah. I'm on the couch because I want to nourish myself. And this feels like my calling. This feels yeah. in alignment with my truth right now. And there's something really beautiful and tender about that. It's really different to those folks of you out there listening to being on the couch and in shame spirals and yeah. down about ourselves and feeling like a failure, feeling inadequate, mm-hmm. feeling like, oh, well, I guess I just have to have another day on the couch. Like yeah. there's an energy of disappointment. Mm-hmm. we're not talking about that we are yeah. talking about entering an entirely new realm where different neurochemicals are being released and fired because we are choosing to mm-hmm. be restore restorative we are choosing to exactly. rejuvenate we are choosing to replenish again coming back to choice coming back to clarity and coming mm-hmm. back to full ownership 
over the embodied state. I think before we understand neuroplasticity and the, the methodology of implementing it, we get all these murky waters of, oh, I'll spend a day on the couch and see what happens. But there's an underlying tone of disappointment and failure. We're not really authentically connected to the embodied neural pathways being fired. We're just going through the motions and doing, doing, doing. Well, why aren't mm -hmm. I better yet? I just took a day on the couch. Shouldn't I be better? Now tomorrow should be better because I yeah. took a day on the couch. <laughs> that's not neuroplasticity. Yeah. That's really just another, I would say that's emotionally um, riddled with confusion rather than really getting that subtle sense of information that we gather data in a body, body scan. When we body scan, we're learning to gather yeah. inner markers and data so we can accurately process what's real and authentic for us. And then we can have a really effective choice of what we do about it and how we mm -hmm. nourish, nurture and support it. I think it's in these subtle processes that take time to kind of decode, demystify the body yeah. and, and shift away from that immediate gratification and linear approach. Well, I rest so, so I should feel better, right? Not yeah. necessarily. Yeah. You want to speak Which to becomes that? a cycle because then yeah. if you didn't feel better, then you feel bad about yourself. And then, oh no, now rest doesn't even heal me. Like nothing's, you know, you start to go into that spiral. Exactly. But and, it's, and again, the mental, emotional, spiritual being overlooked and dismissed. Yeah. Because resting Versus on like the couch. Checking is... in. Yeah. yeah. Just check in. Like, maybe I don't want to go to that festival today because I actually don't want to. Like, <laughs> I remember like going to things just because like, let me test if I can, you know, do it. And like, instead of checking in with myself and be like, no, I actually don't want to be in the heat today with two little kids. You know, I'd rather us just hang out, watch a show or play games on the floor, like, and just, um, but, but making that decision intentionally yes. versus like what I thought I had to do. And, and um, I, I think literally I've said to myself, like, this is your body telling you yeah. X, Y, and Z. And I think that's the trap that we get so used to living up here and disconnected that a lot of our decisions are made from what we think we should do yeah, or how we think yeah. we should be yeah. based on this paradigm of this round hole that we're trying to fit ourselves in, even though we're square shaped. Mm -hmm. And so there's this constant clash and resistance and disappointments and illusions yeah. and perfect, impossible perfections that we're striving for. And that, that's a really normal place to start. And I think Rocksteady slows us down, allows us to learn to reconnect safely to the body, befriend ourselves and use the internal markers, sensations. You could call mm -hmm. them symptoms, but I invite my audience, my community to really call them sensations mm -hmm. and view them for what they are, which is the body's language and the body is talking to me. What is the body saying? Once we get better yeah. at collecting the data, at decoding the mystery and listening to our truth and authenticity as it is in the body, in reality, then of course, we just have so much more information to use to make better choices mm -hmm. as we move forward and cultivate that next moment. So we influence our future by being present. The choices we make yeah. in the present influence the next moment and the next string of moments becomes our future. So we take yeah. back so much more control over our life and over our inner world. Yes. Um, you've shared really beautifully. I'm curious to know are there any little um specific moments where you may have felt a bit lost or confused or down and you logged into the program and sort of found something and had that relief wash over you or that community belonging or do you have any memories of that over the years um you know I love the fact that a lot of it is um a distant memory to me like I when I was in it I didn't ever think I'd say that I thought I could 
could have told you exactly what I did every day because I was so in it. And then um, like I sort of started by saying like, I don't need the program. Like I felt like I did in the beginning. Um, I can use it when I need it. Mm -hmm. um, I think really listening to some of the stories. Um, mm -hmm. What else I think is very interesting about the program is you don't give a timeline. So it's not like, okay, start the program. And in three weeks, you'll feel this. And in four weeks, you'll feel that. Um, and I think that's really important because you do want to compare and you want a timeline and the medical community often will give you timelines. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think just hearing other people, um, particularly mothers that you've had on, on the program, like just hearing them be happy um, mm -hmm. gave me that sense of like, that's going to be me also. Like I just, mm -hmm. I gained confidence mm -hmm. um, that this wasn't like, it wasn't going to always be as it was like, this was my current situation. Mm. Um, but there was just something beyond it. Like I, I became extremely convinced of that, mm. which I think was, um, huge for me. Cause I, I'd say before I found Rocksteady, I wasn't convinced. Mm. Um, I was, uh, convinced that I was gonna, you know, never be myself again, which I'm not the same person like at all because I've grown. Um, I have to, you know, my kids, now I have a kindergartner, I you know, and a three-year-old. Um, I've grown in that I can connect with myself differently than I have. Um, I don't, I don't mourn my previous self anymore. Because um, I'm just a different person now. Yeah, it's like reading a book, we can't stay in chapter one forever. No, no. And no. Our little kindergarten's going to grow up to be a school kid and it's natural to grow and change and transform. And children are so beautiful and natural at neuroplasticity because they're open, they're present, they're curious. Yeah. Well, so long as we don't drill it out of them. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, yeah. they're really naturally um, great at seeking novel stimuli. They're courageous. They pick themselves up when they fall down again and they're not hooked and attached to certain ways mm -hmm. of being. And yep. as adults, we're sort of learning to come back to this innocence and purity. And what I've noticed and that's really floored me is when I'm truly present, there's an inherent vulnerability mm -hmm. because I don't know what's going to land in this moment. If I'm truly yep. an empty container willing to receive presence, I have to be willing to let go of the known and step mm -hmm. deep into the mystery of what might be. I have to let go of needing certainty and control and rigidity and while there's a vulnerability there, there's also a huge amount of power. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious where I'm going with that statement is you mentioned feeling disconnected to your baby when you were disconnected to yourself. Fast forward now, you can connect to yourself. You're mm -hmm. connected to your desires and you have skills, tools, strategies, and methodology for handling challenges. How do you feel in your body now in the, those moments of presence with your children? Oh, um, just, I mean, there's nothing else but good, right? Like it, it went from, I remember with my first child, I can still see her feet and she's the six-year-old and I can remember what they looked like as a baby. That was before any of this happened. I can remember every detail of her. And my second child was, you know, eight or nine months when this happened. And I, there's a, there's a period of time I just can't remember, but now I feel present with her and I am soaking it in like mm. her the curls in her hair like mm. her smell and um just being more intentional about it like with the first one I didn't have to because I was just a new mom and the second one I I missed that because I was so 
detached and obsessing over my own symptoms. Um, you know, you mentioned children. I remember thinking like, if my children had a not quite right symptom, they wouldn't know because they're kids. They just don't know any better. So they'd feel fine. If they had the exact same things happening that were happening to me, they'd actually be fine because they don't know any better. So thinking of that, like watching them and um, being, you know, not knocking away their hopes and all the curious things that they do. Like just the other day, my um, three-year-old was putting on a sock and I just sat and, you know, if you have young kids, sometimes <laughs> like put on that sock we gotta go um but I just sat and like thought it was so cool that like that is so interesting to her like putting on a sock she feels like a big girl it's a new experience and trying to like live that through them um and for myself as I experience things and, also, and that's you know, where the blessing lies yes. like I might have taken these years for granted if that hadn't happened and what I'm hearing from you and I'm interested in how this lands for you is and I relate to it actually because my second child cracked me open as well mm-hmm. and so there's a bit of a blur but it was tender and it was transformative and here I am relishing every moment mm-hmm. um it feels like you went through an apprenticeship of deeply meeting fear with that second baby mm-hmm. and it's overwhelming it's dark it's all encompassing and it, there's the mm-hmm. whole disconnection and push and pull and reconnection and where am I today and we're having to deeply go through the apprenticeship of embodying fear in order to meet our mm-hmm. power and become present. Mm-hmm. And so here you are on the other side of that. Um, and I think if I was the old Joey who had a lot more agendas, a lot more anxiety, mm-hmm. a lot more trauma, a lot more unprocessed fear that I wasn't aware of doing my best. Yeah. Watching some of the things my children do from that place, I would have intervened. I could have been mm-hmm. a more intrusive parent. I could have been on top of them. I could have been commentating yeah. or, you know, possibly criticizing or taking over or just simply avoiding situations where I felt anxious because I couldn't handle mm-hmm. it, which limits yeah. their play, limits their exploration, limits potentially their relationship to the world Yeah, because I'm moderating their relationship to the world. So having this sense of presence and patience and capacity to sit with discomfort, mm-hmm. you know, my, my, um, two-year-old just jumped on a ladder and climbed up to the roof of the house and rather rather than diving in I just sat there watching really calmly and said keep concentrating yeah and sure enough straight up and down it was no drama and I didn't need to make a drama out of it yeah so it really um Mm -hmm. it's this growth we arrive at becoming a new person we build a new person well I think also you know anxiety has been part of my makeup I had um a traumatic experience my sister passed away when I was 12 she was 16 mm. um so that largely shaped you know my desire to control everything around me there's addiction in my family mm-hmm. um and you know I, I thought if I was in control everything would be fine and, and things wouldn't bad things wouldn't happen and um that even went into motherhood I'm sure I had some um postpartum anxiety with the first with the first child that went undiagnosed because I just pictured every possible catastrophe yeah. which probably led me to where I was, um, mm-hmm. fearing the triple E virus so much that it gave me my first ever panic attack, <laughs> which created the dizzy. Um, but with the second child, well, first of all, second kids just throw you, right? Like, yeah. it's like, oh, who are you? The first is so like, here's the rules and I'm going to follow them. And the second one's like, yeah, you want to show me some rules and I'll show you what I'll do with them. But I think <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't want to, um, I don't want my anxiety to live in them, you know, and, um, and 
you can want, you cannot want that. You can become a mother and say, I'm not going to be anxious near my child. And then you have a child and you're like, oh my Lord, what is this world? Like, how do I protect this being? Mm. Um, and you naturally, that anxiety will go on them. And that happens sometimes with the first and the second you learn, like they're, they're not going to fall off the roof or, you know, if they do like maybe, maybe they're going to sprain an ankle. Right. But we're trying to protect them ultimately from death. Right. <laughs> That's like the mother's goal. <laughs> Uh, and you realize that it's it's not lurking everywhere. Um, but the difference with the program and with getting dizzy was I learned that like my actual energy, yes. regardless of my intention, my energy will affect them, whether I want it to or not. I could have the best intentions ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being present um, with this first one, I didn't teach her um, when she would be overwhelmed to breathe. I got this, I went through this program, I learned breaths, and my little one will breathe. Mm-hmm. And my oldest will actually, if she's having like a moment, I'll say, take a breath. And she'll go, you didn't teach me when I was younger. She's only six, <laughs> right? Because I'll say, oh, Stella, you're lucky I taught you this when you were two. So the two-year-old, it's like part of her now, mm-hmm. te- like learning our bodies. How does your body feel? I would not have been doing that mm-hmm. um, before this program. I would have just like had good intentions and you know tried my best Mm. but now I can see how how physically they could get affected yeah and it's just making um me help them like connect to their bodies which is such a gift for young kids such a gift and if we want to geek out a little bit this is co-regulation so we have mirror 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 neurons yeah Um, it's innate and natural and if you just even think about being in a room full of people, the person with the stronger emotional energy, everybody will bounce off. And that could be a very charismatic energy. It could be an angry energy. It could be hostile. And so the energy we hold as mother deeply impacts our children because they are regulating off us. They can't regulate their own nervous system yet. So if we're calm, secure, steady, if we can handle it, if we've got a sense of clarity, they will bounce off that. Mm -hmm. If we are anxious and hiding it and pretending, they feel it. Yeah, we are anxious and yeah. attuned to that, and soothing our anxiety and to- and walking ourselves through that process. They won't pick up the anxiety because we're actually in attunement with our anxiety, and because we're yeah. in alignment, they'll just pleasantly wait for us to sort it out. Yeah, it's really interesting. If we're in attunement with ourselves, the children follow suit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have had a lot of fun exploring this with my kids. Yeah. Um, it almost I think what's like a whole book. So, um, yeah, you should. I think what's so interesting about that, um, if I were listening to this three years ago, I might start to think like, okay, I, I need to not show my anxiety in front of my child. But with the program, that's not what it's saying. It's saying that it's okay to say, mommy doesn't feel quite right today. Yeah. Mom, you know, mama's going to, let's just sit on the floor and read a book or like, you know, and, and for them to like see that you're not fighting, through, like, don't, you don't have to fight through pain. If you feel pain, feel the pain. Like we're going to sit together. You yeah. feel hurt. Like, okay, now let's, and then let's acknowledge it. Let's feel it. And let's like, see how we can move forward. Um, and so if people are sitting there on the couch, feeling nauseous, you know, just mm-hmm. hoping and praying for the next thing, it's, it's really like, I, I would recommend to start the program and don't put a timeline. Do not put a timeline on yourself. Um, give yourself a lot of grace and recognize that like, I recognize that my children have much better coping mechanisms than I ever did just by watching me not always be perfect. 
yeah. you know, mommy, my hair wasn't always done, like, but you got to school. You know, <laughs> we, we laugh, you know, yeah. um, and that's fine. And they're, yeah. they're the happiest, healthiest little kids. So. Well, I mean, if we bring it back to just symptomatology and learning and the not quite rightness in those moments when symptoms are up and we can meet them honestly, authentically support them, use our skills and tools to bring back ourselves back into center. You can think about that as a repair moment. It's like, mm-hmm. I've gone off and then I've come back in. Those okay. are the moments of the most powerful neuroplasticity. That's how we're changing the brain without mm-hmm. those moments of being off. There's no learning. Same yeah. with children. It's like, if, if I'm snipey with my two-year-old or, or I do a quick, like, no, <laughs> yeah. I sort of am as best I can. I sort of go, Hey, I'm sorry about that. How does that feel mm-hmm. for you? There's repair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like I ignore it or pretend it didn't happen or wash over it. It's like, actually, no, I, I shrieked at you. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that doesn't sit well with me. How are you feeling? Another one is with my kids. When they say like, I want this, can I have this? I need this. Um, I'm, I'm, we're really quick to say, Hey, thanks for letting us know what you need. It really helps us when you let us know how we can help you. We're here for you. Yeah. And yeah. when you articulate that, it's really something we appreciate. So we're really teaching them to be self-advocating and yeah. to investigate what support is. And these are all skills we're learning as adults that we can almost instantly in training our children. Yes. Which is kind it's of exciting. Kind of like- it is. And it's kind of like when, when you think of, cause I think for some people like the neuroplasticity, um, is hard to wrap your head around, um, without seeing your brain cut open. Like you, you see a paper cut and like you can watch it heal and that there's a lot of satisfaction in that. Yeah. Um, you can't see your brain, but if you look at a child, like who have the most plastic of the brains, right. Mm. You're shaping everything they do, but that is you also, you're just older. So you've already built all of these pathways that are deeply ingrained but it doesn't mean that they can't change. Mm. So it's, it's really, it's your inner child, right? Like it's Mm. talking to your inner self and training that retraining yourself, just like you were a kid and treating yourself with the same grace you would a young person. Yeah. With dignity and respect and kindness and really building that muscle of speaking to ourselves in real time with that same sense of grace. So, so just for those of you listening who might be new to our community, there are plenty of life call replays of Rocksteady members showing up and actually meeting challenges and difficulties and discomforts in real time. And there are replays of how they may go in and speak to their inner child and how they may cultivate this process. So there's a lot of learning tools Mm -hmm. and examples. Um, You don't have to do this alone. Yes, it's possible. And I think my biggest aha moment since birthing my second baby. So I I built Rocksteady in 2016 and I had my second baby end of 2021. And something that's sort of come to me is like, wow, I really built the Rocksteady program to help people feel friends with their body and to help them feel at peace with intermittent and random symptoms. I wanted them to have a resilience and a toolkit to be okay with it. I had no idea people's lives would change this much. Mm-hmm. It it has changed my life mm-hmm. through pregnancy, through birthing, through mothering. It's Rocksteady has been such an anchor for me through all the challenges and yeah. boundaries and choice making. And then in meeting my community members and hearing them say, hey, it's helped my arthritis. So, hey, it's helped my marriage. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Like this yeah. is so much more than symptoms. 
However, that's often what brings us together as a community. So if you're listening to this and you're feeling inspired or hopeful or lost or confused, visit my website, seekingbalance.com.au and you can start there. It's a wonderful welcoming community and I really would love to see more people out there with chronic, elusive, invasive, invisible symptoms. I want to see them finding these answers and using Mm -hmm. neuroplasticity. It's available. And, you know, there's a voice in my head going, why aren't more professionals talking about this? And I think the answer to that question is, largely speaking, the mainstream doesn't understand neuroplasticity because they're stuck in the books and they're learning protocols that are external. This work happens inside. Mm-hmm. And uh, realistically, it's probably not until someone actually has to heal something in themselves that they would even get an insight into what the heck it is. Yeah. So the learning happens in here as opposed to really in a book. And my intention yeah. with the program is that it really nurtures that inner investigation for as long yeah. as it takes. I remember learning with all of the physicians that I saw that their sole job is to tell me what it's not. It's not cancer. It's not a tumor. It's not this. It's not like to basically like, you know, cross off the possible diagnosis and then potentially medicate what they do find. And this is just so beyond that. It's Mm -hmm. just, again, it's not a paper cut. You know, you can get a brain scan and it would probably show you something, but it's literally go like going within to your own brain, your own body and um, take it baby steps, just baby steps. Yeah. How does it feel now? We're going to end the call and I want to just check in. How does it feel to say I changed my brain? I just am so grateful. There's nothing uh, more that I can say. Like I'm very grateful to you, to the community. Um, Finding you was um, pivotal. And I just really hope that this gives some people like that little glimpse into, um, you know, the day that they're going to fly on an airplane and spin around with their kids and do everything they think they can't do and also hopefully wake up in the morning and feel a sense of peace just yeah you just know, like oh, not waking oh. up not waking yeah. up with dread anymore you know dread and then uh, not being inspector gadget but instead just like okay this is me today and each each day is a new day you know mm. it's nothing none of it's guaranteed um you can dig and dig and dig and look for symptoms or sensations as much as you want, or you can be like, okay, that's what that is. And here's what we're going to do about it. Yeah. So I feel very, very lucky. Yeah. Well, congratulations and well done for staying the course. Thank you. And um, you look really vibrant and well, and it's just such a pleasure to connect with you today. Thank you. Thank you. It's a bye for now. And again, visit seekingbalance.com.au to learn more about our Rocksteady community and to become a part of it.